I'm glad that you're here. Welcome to Parkview. Um, welcome you watching on the internet. We're glad that you're here. Um, I'm going to pull a fast one on you today. I'm calling an audible. I can do that if I want to, and I am. Um, the, the, here's the deal. Sometimes marriage isn't like it's supposed to be. Did you know that? Sometimes marriages aren't wonderful. Sometimes marriages are like the plain white tea song I was listening to yesterday. Hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like you. Sometimes marriages are like that, but your problem is you look up at me and you look at my family and you look at my marriage and you're thinking, you dude, you up there, you do not have any idea what, where I live. You don't get it. I've been married for 26 years. Both my parents and my in-laws have been married more than 50 years. You look at us and you think, well, Tim's probably really easy to live with and, and you know, <laughs> Denise doesn't even have a cycle, you know, and I'm sure that, you know... Their life is just, you know, this perfect thing, and their kids are scrubbing the floor, and there's birds tweeting around, and the mice are helping them, and, you know, it's like a Disney fairy tale at the Harlow house, and there's nothing I could do to help you to understand that my life is as normal and as weird, and my marriage is as hard as yours, because you're not going to believe me. So uh, the topic of the day came up. I started thinking, uh, you know what, you might need to hear from somebody that's a little more qualified to tell you about it than I am. So I'm bringing in uh, a guest today. I didn't even tell you about it because I didn't want you to not come because you really need to hear this message. It's probably the most important message you'll hear all year. And, and I'm bringing Tim Sutherland in because he's a teaching pastor over at the Community Christian Church in Naperville. He's been a partner of mine for a long time. He used to fill in and preach for us way back in the days. Uh, he, he, he and I go really, really way back. But there's something else that makes him qualified, and that is that he is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And he's been counseling people. He has been a marriage counselor for 25 years. And he has seen a lot of people come into the room and say, hate is a strong word, but I really, really, really don't like them. And he's seen some of the people get better and move on to happier marriages. And he's seen a lot of people decide that they were going to end it and get divorced. And so the, the expertise that he brings today is something that I think is really, really going to be important. So uh, will you welcome for me Tim Sutherland, my friend. Hello, Parkview. Hello. It's nice to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, guest speakers always say it's great to be here, but it is great to be here. I, I, I don't even have time to tell you what your church means to me and how you all have been an encouragement to me personally over the years and, uh, and to, to our church uh, and here in the Chicagoland area. So let me just say, say thanks and from our church to yours, we love you. Here's where we're going to start. I want to tell you three things. And then I want you to tell me if you've heard about these things and then what these three things have in common. Okay? Here's the first one. Um, I want to know how many have heard, how many know that in the, in the sewers of New York City there are alligators. Okay? There's a picture. And, and honestly, what happens is people have, have like baby pet alligators that they don't want anymore and so they flush them. And they end up living in the sewers and like feeding on rats and garbage. And they grow to full size. How many know about the alligators? Okay, here's the next one. How many know about the babysitter? And she was babysitting for this rich doctor. And she put the kids to bed upstairs. And she's downstairs. And she gets this phone call. And the phone call, the phone call says, go upstairs and check on the children. And it sounds a little strange, and so she hangs up, and she keeps getting these calls, and she, gets, she freaks out. She calls the operator, says, you got to help me out. Where are these calls coming from? The operator traces them and calls back and says, ma'am, you got to get out of there because the, 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 the calls are coming from 
inside the house from the other line, the second line. And, and she runs out of the house and the police come and go upstairs and there's a deranged killer upstairs. How many know about that? Okay. One more. How many know about the email that Bill Gates sent out <laughs> that if, what, if, if, if you forward, he's, he's testing this new tracking software that Microsoft has got. And if you, if you forward it to a certain number of people, once it gets forwarded to 1,000 people, you will get a check for $1,000. I mean, Microsoft has the money. We all know that, right? How many know about that? Email. Okay. So now you've told me how you know about it. Now, now, how many know, what do these three things have in common? I hear people saying they're not true. Well, they're actually a special kind of not true. They're, 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 they're what's known as what? Urban legends, right? Urban legends. These things that everybody says is true that it turns out really aren't. It's funny. After the last service, somebody came to say, no, there really are alligators in the sewers in New York City. Someone here is trying to convince me there really are. So I don't know. Maybe there are. I don't know. I just know that's an, that's an, that's an urban legend. But do you know about suburban legends? See, suburban legends usually aren't about, you know, alligators or, or deranged killers and like that, suburban legends are usually about relationships. There's relational myths. For instance, maybe you've heard this one. If you're going to get married, it's a good idea to live together first because that really helps you prepare for marriage. How many have heard that one? Okay, very popular myth. How about this one? If you're a parent, your job is just to make sure your kids are happy. How many have heard that one? Okay. I can't tell you how many folks I've talked to over the years in family counseling that say, all I ever wanted was for my daughter to be. All I ever wanted was my, was my honey, all I ever wanted you should be happy. Why are some people, all they ever wanted was for their kids to be happy? And are their kids happy? The, the, the suburban legend I want to talk to you about today is about marriage. And I really believe it applies to all of us where, wherever you're at, whether you're single, married, something else, okay? But to really kind of get, before I tell you what it is, let's kind of go into the cult. There's some very important cultural backstory to this particular suburban legend. See, we, we live in a culture that is deeply ambivalent about marriage. On the one hand, our, our culture is super pro-marriage. And I'll prove it to you. For instance, you go on, you watch the, the late night talk shows, you know, Letterman or, you, or, or maybe Oprah in the morning. And they'll have a guest on. They'll have some celebrity. And they'll say to the celebrity, oh, I understand that you just got married. And the, and the celebrity will say, yes, I did. And, and, and what, will, what will the audience always do? Yeah, spontaneous applause. They'll say, oh, I understand you just got engaged. Spontaneous applause. See, what a culture values is always reflected in spontaneous applause. We're very, very pro-marriage. Here's some stats that I found interesting. Hopefully, you will, too. Uh, the average cost of a wedding in Illinois, $26,327. And there's some brother in the house going, I wish my daughters had cost only that much. <laughs> Mine cost 36 no, Seriously, and that's not including the engagement rings or the honeymoon. $26,327. Let's put this in perspective. We are so into marriage as a, as, as a country. This year in the United States, we will spend $125 billion, with a B, billion dollars on weddings. And to put that in perspective, that's more than the gross domestic product of the country of Ireland. 
That's a lot of money spent on this. 90% of people, the demographers tell us that 90% of people who live in our country will marry at some point in their life. 90%. Only 10% of people never get married. And half of those are guys who just needed to shower more. That's not true. I made, I, I, I made that up. But it is true that 90% marry. And of those who get divorced, check this out. Of people who get divorced, 75% of those who get divorced remarry at least once. We're very, very, very pro-marriage. But on the other hand, uh, maybe not so much. On the other hand, there's this undercurrent of, 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 of cynicism and jadedness uh, about marriage yeah the, Tyler Perry he's got he's got the sequel first he did the movie called why did I get married and now his new one is called why did I get married to like t-o-o and this is these this is in the box office there's all these jokes about marriage you know there's you know men refer to their wives as the as you know the old ball and chain that's nice it, isn't it ladies well guys you ought to hear what she calls you you know and there's jokes nobody's like this joke but I like it so I'm gonna stick with it uh, Somebody said, what's marriage like? And, 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 and they said, you know, marriage, marriage is like a three-ring circus. First, there's the engagement ring. Then there's the wedding ring. And then comes the suffering. <laughs> it's not that funny. Y'all are very nice. Very, 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 very nice. <clears throat> really, 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 really interesting. The divorce rate, we have, divorce courts are crammed, and that's no joke. Everybody knows the divorce rate's holding steady at about 50%. For second marriages, the divorce rate is 67%. For third marriages, the divorce rate is 74%. Sociologists say that our great kind of cultural experiment as a society is what they call serial monogamy. Serial monogamy. Has nothing to do whatsoever with Captain Crunch. Serial monogamy is marry, divorce, remarry, divorce, remarry, repeat over and over that's the great cultural experiment of our culture somebody once said that in, that, that in America uh, people are are and when it comes to marriage people are like house flies on a screen door the ones that are on the outside one in the ones that are on the inside one out amidst all this ambivalence that we have you know oh, marriage is so wonderful and they're like oh not so much amidst all of that is this towering huge monolithic legend and here it is this is the suburban legend we're taking on today and it's a hard subject uh, we've okay every service so far we've had somebody walk out and if, and if you need to walk out I understand but I hope you won't I hope you'll stick with it it's better to get divorced than to be unhappy they say and this is a crucial subject because here's some more stats for you 80% of the time when somebody gets divorced in our country, it's not because of infidelity and it's not because their grounds are not uh, uh, um, gross mo uh, mental and emotional cruelty. 80% of the time uh, there's a divorce filed in this country, it's, it's over irreconcilable differences. And irreconcilable differences is, is code for one person at least, maybe both, but, but, but always one person saying, I'm just not happy. 
This, though, is not just a modern trend. This isn't something that's happening just in our country today. This is, this is an age-old thing. Back in Jesus' day, one time, the Pharisees were kind of like the religious big wheels. They came to Jesus, and they, and, and they asked him this. This is from, this is from uh, the book of Matthew. They said this. They said, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And Jesus said, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female? And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. The two will become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Translation, Jesus is saying unequivocally that divorce isn't God's will or intention. However, the religious leaders weren't satisfied with him saying this. They pressed him. They have a follow-up question. Here it is. They say to this. They say to him, why then did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Hmm. Hard words. Important background here. Stick with me. Important background here. Rules about divorce in those days, in Jesus' days, were, were largely based on this one particular passage of Scripture from the Old Testament, book of Deuteronomy, chapter 24. Here's what it says. Quote, If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something objectionable, remember that phrase, something objectionable about her, he writes her a certificate of divorce and sends her from his house. And see, in Jesus' day, there was this big debate. Here's why they were asking Jesus where he stood on the divorce thing. There was this big debate. and Because they were saying, what does that something objectionable mean? Well, there was this one very influential rabbi whose, whose name was Shammai. And Shammai said, something objectionable means only sexual immorality and nothing else. That was one view. But there was this other uh, very popular view from this other rabbi whose name was Hillel. And the Hillel school of thought said that something objectionable could mean just about anything. I mean, the Hillel school said you could divorce your wife or divorce your husband if, if, if you didn't like the way they spoke to you in public or if they argued with you loudly enough that the neighbors could hear. The, Hillel even said a man could divorce his wife if, if she burned his soup. We have a quote. This is an actual quote uh, that archaeologists have discovered from Jesus' day. You should be able to see it on the screen. And the quote is this. If a husband finds another woman more pleasing in appearance, he may divorce his wife. That was written in Jesus' day by a guy by the name of Rabbi Akiba. Here's another quote we have. Uh, if my husband thinks he's another Johnny Depp, he's lost his marbles. That's Mrs. Mrs. Akiba from another obscure document we have. Now see, in Jesus' day, the Hillel school that said just about anything equals something objectionable, the Hillel school was the popular one. And, and so Jesus was standing up against the for any reason. He says that something uh, objectionable means sexual unfaithfulness. But see, this wasn't just, we've got to get this, folks. This wasn't just unpopular for him to say. More background here. See, at that time, there, 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 was, a, there was a king, there was a powerful guy in, 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 in near where Jesus lived. His name, his name was Herod Antipas. Stick with me, this matters. Herod Antipas. And Herod Antipas had proposed in marriage to, to a woman whose name was Herodias, but she was his brother's wife. And to make it even more complicated, Herodias was also the daughter of Herod Antipas's 
half-brother. So Herod is basically saying to Herodias, let's me and you get married. You'll be my niece and my wife and my ex-sister-in-law all at the same time. We can get us double wide and move to Arkansas. If, 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 you're, if you're from uh, Arkansas, I apologize for that there, and especially if you're 6'2 or above. But Herodias says yes. So Herodias divorces her husband, marries Herod Antipas. Folks, it was like Jerry Springer goes to Palestine. This really happened. And John the Baptist, who was a prophet, who was, who was a contemporary of Jesus and a, and, and, and a colleague of Jesus, stood up against and spoke out against what Herod and Herodias were doing. And they were so upset that, that, that he had called them out on it that they cut off his head. And it's really interesting. Look at this. Look at this next, next scripture. Jesus, what, look what it says. When Jesus finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea. See, this is when this was said. And, and, and it said he went to this region on the, on the other side of the Jordan. Guess whose territory he was in? Three guesses. <laughs> and the first two don't count. Herod and Herodias. So he, Jesus isn't just saying something, some minority view here. He's saying, you know what? They can cut off all the heads they want. But that doesn't make it right. That's not right. And see, that's how strongly and how, how, how serious Jesus was about that. Now, maybe some of y'all are thinking, and I can understand that if you're thinking, so is Jesus saying that the only acceptable reason for divorce is sexual infidelity? Stick with me here, okay? Jesus was saying that something objectionable means sexual immorality. But that doesn't mean that he was saying that's the only possible acceptable reason for divorce that there might be here's how we know that we know this from scripture over in the book of first corinthians i won't read the whole text but it'll be on the screen in first corinthians the apostle paul says speaking from the holy spirit he he, he says that that uh, that that if the if if you have an unbelieving partner uh, unbelieving spouse who departs who, who abandons uh the the marriage that in those circumstances in that extreme circumstance uh, divorce is acceptable but stick with me here on this Jesus never said that Jesus never gave that as a reason for divorce so what's the Apostle Paul doing I mean is he like contradicting Jesus or is he like modifying Jesus or like you know no 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 he knew Jesus personally he was speaking under the authority of Jesus himself what, what they're doing is it's going to be really clear here. scripture only gives two particular examples of what would be of what might be an acceptable reason for divorce. It gives the, the example of sexual unfaithfulness and it gives the example of desertion. But doesn't it make sense that there are other things too that are as egregious? For instance, would you not agree that if someone is being physically abused, that is as serious and as egregious as someone being deserted? Okay? See, what we got to do, folks, we have to be true to Scripture without being legalistic in our application of it. And whether you agree with me or not with what I'm saying right now, here's what matters. This matters so much because the vast majority of folks who get married, uh, who get divorced today, aren't getting divorced because of infidelity or because of uh, abandonment or because of significant physical abuse. The majority are getting divorced because someone says, I'm just not happy. 
And it's better to be divorced than to be unhappy. And please, I would never, ever, ever, never make light of anybody's unhappiness in their marriage. Never. I've talked to a lot of people. Never make light of that. But at the same time, the belief that getting divorced is the antidote to that unhappy that unhappiness, it's a myth. See, spiritually, there's absolutely no way, no way anybody can read Scripture to say that unhappiness, incompatibility, is an acceptable reason in God's eyes for divorce. It's just not possible to read the Bible that way. But I realize we're not all at the same place spiritually, and maybe you're here today, or maybe you know somebody who'd go, well, you know, that's what the Bible says, that's what the preacher guy says at church, but I'm not sure if the Bible applies to my life, I'm not sure if it really is God's word, I'm not sure if it's really authoritative. If that's where you are, okay, we got some more stuff here. The social science research, okay, the social science research is really clear. It says very clearly that getting divorced doesn't make you happy. For starters, there's just massive economic consequences. There's so many people I've talked to over the years who say, you know, we're going to get divorced. And it's going to be neat and clean and easy. It's going to be no big deal. We're just done, and, and, and we're going to be out of here, and, 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 you know, kind of no harm, no foul, only to find themselves embroiled in, in long, drawn-out legal battles that end up costing thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. The economic toll of just getting divorced is usually huge. And then on top of that, check this out. Harvard University, I'm told they're kind of smart at Harvard. Harvard University did a study, and they found that for women with children who get divorced, the, see, they understand, this, for women with children who get divorced, their, the, uh, um, what's the right word here, their lifestyle, their standard of living economically goes down 73% in the first year. A 73% hit to the standard of living for a for single moms with kids on the average. So there's economic costs that are just huge. Then there's the emotional costs, which are huge. My dad did his doctoral dissertation on stress and stress management. And anybody who knows stress and stress management will tell you that there's really only one thing in life more stressful and more painful than going through divorce. And that is if you happen to lose a child to death before the age of 18. And I know some of y'all know that pain then that's the only pain in the world that is greater than the pain of losing a marriage, of going through a divorce. There's just huge emotional costs. Check this out. When rated on 12 separate major life quality indicators, researchers found that unhappily married people who divorced were no happier than unhappily married people who stayed married. Divorce didn't reduce depression, divorce didn't raise self-esteem, and divorce did not increase what, what sociologists and psychologists call a, a positive sense of personal agency, that sense of, of, of I, 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 can, I, I can determine what happens to me in a, in a good way in my life. And what's um, fascinating about this research, y'all, is that this research holds true regardless of age, race, gender, socioeconomic status, you name it. It's true across the board. Unhappy spouses who divorce and remarry were no happier on average than people who were unhappy and stayed married. But I know 
Some of y'all are saying, but I know this guy, and all he ever talks about is how glad he is to be rid of that blankety-blank ex of his. Or I know this one. I, I know of this woman that's been uh, uh, divorced a number of times. I don't know how many times. She's been divorced many times. She doesn't even call them ex-husbands anymore. She calls them husbands. W-A-S. That, that's, my, that's my second husband. And, but, and, 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 and there are, and, there, and, and with all due respect, there's probably somebody in the room today who would say, well, I'm glad, I, 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 I'm happy. No, the, the re, I'm not saying that you're not being honest. I'm, I'm just saying that if, if you, the research says that if you compare somebody's self-esteem, their overall view of themselves and their view, and their view of life, that divorce has never been shown to make anybody's life better. That's what the social science research says. And what the Word of God says, the Word of God says that, that, that what we need to do as a church is we, is, is we need, give me that verse from, from 2 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 5, we're, that we're called to, to take captive every thought, every, every notion, every idea that sets itself up against the truth of God. And folks, this, you know, you know this is a huge thing. Lots of people believe in that it's better to be divorced than to be unhappy. And the Word of God says, mm, not so much. And friends, this, this, this myth, this is so close to my heart. This is, this is such a dangerous myth because it's a shapeshifter. It tends to morph into other myths. You talk to somebody who has kids and says, I, I, I just need to be happy. And they'll usually say, oh, and, and, and I'll be happier and my kids need a happy mom or a happy dad. And so my kids will be better off if we divorce. That's kind of a sub-myth. But here's the research. It's strong and growing stronger all the time. Except for, except for in the cases of physical violence or abuse, children do better when their parents stay together, even when the marriage is unhappy. Children from uh, families of divorce have higher levels of behavioral problems in school, uh, drug abuse, rebellion against authority, teen pregnancy, attempted suicide. Check this out. Children uh, who, whose parents divorce are seven times more likely to suffer from depression. Seven times more likely. And yet you'll hear somebody, the next time you hear somebody say, well, everybody knows that it's, that it's better for the kids, for their parents to be, to be divorced than to, to live in a home where the marriage is just not happy. Next time somebody says that, respectfully say, uh, what's your research on that? Don't be a jerk about it. Don't say, what are you smoking? Don't, don't say that. Be nice. Be nice and just say, I'm interested that you would say that. What's your research? You know what they'll say? Oh, everybody knows that. Or they'll say, I heard it on Oprah or something. And, it, and it, see, people are saying it. But people are also saying that there's a babysitter and upstairs is a deranged killer and it really happened. Be nice about it, but we've got to call this stuff out sometimes in, 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 a, in a gentle way. And, and, and you know, and this, is, this, is, this, is, this is so near to my heart. Uh, I got married when I was 22. And 12, 13 years in, uh, my wife walked in the door and out of the blue said, I'm not happy. Don't love you. Don't know if I ever loved you. And um, I'm leaving. I was like blown away. Like going, were you trying to tell me that you're unhappy and I'm just not listening? Was I being like, you know, this Mr. Insensitive and just not hearing it? And, I, and she says, no, I wasn't telling you. I, but I, I'm telling you now, out of love, out of here. I'm like going, come on, we got two kids together. We can work this out. I'll do anything. Come on. And it's like, no, I don't love you. 
I couldn't ever love you. It's just, it's just not possible. She, honestly, she was nice about it. A lot of tears. She said, I'm sorry. I love out of here. Uh, and elders of my church went to her and say, you know, is there something, uh, is he doing something we don't know about? You know, is this, is this what, you know, is there something going on? She said, no, I just don't love him. I just don't love him. And within a year, uh, I was divorced. Within a year, two kids. And my boys are 19 and, and 16 now, and, uh, and they're okay. And my church got me through that, and I'm okay. I mean, no. No, I really am. I, I, I really am. By the grace of God, I, I, I'm okay. And uh, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting married in June. June 25th, I'm getting married. That's her right down there. And uh, see, spontaneous applause. We love marriage. But no, but see, I'm okay. And the Lord took care of me and my boys. But even though things turned out okay, the hardest thing was going, man, I didn't get a chance. Didn't get a chance to work it out. And my concern is that there's somebody here today, and you're not going to get a chance to work it out, and the person telling you that you don't get, to, you don't get a chance to work it out is going to be you. And you're going to say, oh, I have the chance to work it out, but I don't want it. I'm going to pass on that. I'm done. I'm done. Well, let me say something, first of all. I, I, I hesitate a little bit to put this verse on the screen. But go ahead and put it up there for me. It's from Micah. And let me say this, first of all. Um, let me say something to the believers in the room. And I know I'm a guest here, but can I be a little, can I be real straightforward? May I, please? Permission to say, okay. Don't you ever get in somebody's face and shake the Bible at them with this verse. Don't you ever thump the Bible, believers, at somebody and say, who's getting divorced, saying, God hates divorce. Don't shame people with the Word of God. That is not God's way, and that is not God's will. Don't you ever do that. And at the same time, Let's ask ourselves, why would God use such strong language? God is not a condemning God. God is not a vindictive God. Why would he use such strong language? Because he know, it's interesting, look at the rest of the verse. It says, it says, I hate divorce, and I hate a man covering himself with violence as a garment. What? Well, he, he, there's this parallel, there's this comparison of divorce to violence. And, he, and God's saying, you know what, there are, there are consequences of divorce. There is fallout, there is, there is mental, emotional, and relational shrapnel flying from it that, that you couldn't even imagine. And God says, everybody matters to me. The husband matters to me. The wife matters to me. The kids matter to me. And the kids' kids. And, and generations to come. And God says, I care so much about them. And that's why I hate stuff that hurts people. God doesn't hate people who break rules. God hate stuff that hurts people and so maybe you're thinking so what are you saying to me dude so if my marriage is unhappy am, am I just stuck are you basically here to say well you know you're unhappy and but sucks for you and if you don't like that language don't write the elders of this church I'm a guest write the elders of my church no major major good news Major good news if you're unhappily married. In research, in a book called The Case for Marriage, and this is not from some conservative think tank. One of the authors of this book uh, is on the faculty at the University of Chicago. And if you know the University of Chicago, it's a world-class educational institution of higher learning, but it's not exactly a conservative think tank. Okay? 
Here's the research that nobody ever tells you. The majority of unhappy marriages that don't end in divorce don't stay unhappy. And the majority of marriages that are unhappy and don't end in divorce, not only do they not stay unhappy, they don't get worse. Um, here, here it is. Among unhappily married people who stuck it out for five years, that point they said, I want to leave, but I'm going I'm to stick it out and work on this thing. Guess what percent got from I want out of here to, to I'm happy? 86%. You don't hear that stat on TV, do you? You don't read that in People magazine. And among couples who rated their marriage as very unhappy, 77% reported a change to very happy or quite happy within five years. Listen to what, I'll, I'll quote one of the authors of this book. Quote, these are not my words, these are hers. The chances that your marriage will get worse are low, and the chances that it will get better are almost overwhelming. Has anybody ever told you that? I mean, are you, are, are you equipped? Are you prepared to say to your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors who are struggling, say, the chances that your marriage will get worse if you don't throw in the towel are, are, are low, and the chances that it will get better are almost overwhelming. I'm not making this up. I'm just quoting the research. See, but I know how it is. If you're unhappily married and you're thinking about hitting the door, all the stats in the world probably aren't going to help you that much. Probably don't make you feel better. But please just let me say to you from the heart, from personal experience and professional experience, if you look at the door and go, getting out that door, if I can just get out of this marriage, then I'll be happy. It's not where the smart money is. The odds are not in your favor. So I just want to say to you from the bottom of my heart, please don't give up. If you've read books on marriage, read some more. If you've been to counseling, go to, go to some more. Please don't give up. Don't just say, am I, am I saying you just, just stay? No, 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 no. Give it a chance. But I know, I know. I've had so many people in my office over the years. And, and in my experience, I've talked to more women who've said this to me than men. And they'd say, she'd say, you know what? I just don't love him. I couldn't love him. There's no way. It, it would be impossible for this marriage to be anything but miserable. And, and, and I'll say, impossible? And I'll ask, as, as, as respectfully as I can, I'll say, are, are you a person of faith? And nine times out of ten, they'll say, yeah, I'm a person of faith. And I'll say, well, let me just ask you. I'm not trying to argue with you, but let me just ask you. You said that it would be impossible for your marriage to be anything other than miserable. Um, do you know that place where, where Jesus said that, that with God, all things are possible? With God, nothing is impossible? And they'll say, yeah, I know that. And I'm going, okay, well then help me out. Why would you say this is impossible? And they would say, well, everything else is possible for God, but not this. And you know what? They're not being smug. They really feel that way. And maybe you're in a situation, maybe off topic here maybe you're in that situation today and you feel like man things are so screwed up in my life financially God can do anything except fix this do you feel that way or maybe you're in a situation where you're going man the, the, the word from the doctor is so bad you know about my about my health anything everything else is possible for God but not this or maybe you're in some emotional hole and then you don't feel like you'll ever get out of it and God and you're saying well everything's possible for God except this no I just I'm, I'm here to tell you 
there's a Savior, there's a Lord, and His name is Jesus. And He says, no, 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 nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in a marriage that's struggling and you feel like it'd be impossible for it to be anything other than miserable, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. And maybe you're here today and, and you're going, yeah, but I already did. I'm already divorced. It was last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. I was unhappy and I bailed. So what do you have for me? What are you saying to me? Well, the people who are struggling with it, I said, I said don't give up. And the people who have already given up and the marriage is over, I, let me say this to you. Don't give up on yourself. Don't you give up on yourself. Your history is not your destiny. Your past is not your future. That's not the kind of God we serve. We do not have a God who says, okay, you blew it. No soup for you. It's not like that. Seinfeld fans, it's not, it's not like that. God's not like that. Your history is not your destiny. Your past is not your future. We serve a God who says, I got plans for you. Plans for a, a future and a hope. Plans for good and not for evil. Don't you give up on yourself. God's not giving up on you. There's a church family here that won't give up on you. And don't you give up on God. He's not giving up on you. Nothing is impossible. I thought I'd end with this testimony. I, uh, brother gave this to me and I, I have his permission to read it. She was pregnant with our third child when I left her. I was bored with marriage and wanted excitement and freedom. She'll manage somehow, I told myself. The God she's always talked about would just have to pick up the pieces for her. I was going to enjoy my one and only life and make up for my lost years in my marriage. Shortly after the divorce, I was shocked to discover she was dating someone and even more shocked that I was experiencing feelings of jealousy. I started going to her church thinking I might get her attention. I wasn't above manipulation to get what I wanted. To my dismay, she didn't seem to care what I was doing. Over the next few months, the bottom dropped out of my world and I began to suffer. It occurred to me that what I was feeling was probably only a fraction of what I'd made her feel. I started attending a marital restoration workshop by myself at the church. I began to see myself as arrogant and self-centered. I broke apart when I saw all the pain I had caused. Over the next year, with lots of new friends from church walking beside me, I gave my life to Christ. I experienced humility and gratitude and grace for the first time in my life. My ex-wife noticed the changes in me. Everybody did. It took her a while to believe, though, that the changes were real. But we were remarried four years ago. We have a whole new life together. I know our story sounds rare and impossible. But if I can change, so can anyone. I love my wife. I love my children. And I'm so grateful for a second chance to do life differently. Friends all the book learning in the world doesn't mean a thing but there is a God who will say to you nothing is impossible let's pray Father God I pray for anybody who's in the teeth of it right now who's struggling and feels like man no way no way no way Say to him through your spirit in love, yes way, yes way. Nothing is impossible. And for those who are here and they're hurting over this, what's happening now or what just happened or what happened when they were kids or 
comfort those who are, who are hurting from this. And let us all know that because of Jesus and the faith we can have in him, nothing is impossible.